0: Good on y'all. Welcome back to the Cold Seat Podcast where the seats are cold and the takes are hot. Thursday, Turf Talk number nine. Come in and check us today. Well, really number eight, because number eight, like I mentioned on the Cold Seat episode this week, went to record the or recorded the episode, thought we were good to go. Went to import it into our audio uh, platform to get it uh, and to get the intro added in and all that stuff, get it cleaned up before we uh, send it off to our podcast platform to get posted and uh, loaded into the audio app. And about every fifth to tenth word, a second or two cut out. So don't know if it was Wi-Fi issues we were having the past couple weeks kind of lingering over into the call and kind of missing the audio. Or if it was a Teams issue, both Brett and I redownloaded and reinstalled Teams. We were good for the Cold Seat episode this week. So missed Thursday Turf Talk last week. Um, so we didn't get to do – didn't hear our picks from last week. We'll update our records here in a second. But uh, didn't hear our picks from last week. Didn't hear our rookie watch from last week. So Brett and I are rolling over the same rookies this week. Although – I think all four of these guys uh, either played or had a good week. Uh, I think all yeah, I think all five, all four of them played, and uh, I think they all four had had good weeks. Um, won't spoil who they are yet, obviously. Um, so, really, turf talk number nine that we've recorded, but number eight that you guys are getting. So, new uh, records real quick. So, Brett and I are still even at twenty-seven and twelve on our NCAA picks. And I've got the what is this a uh, seven game lead on Brett in the NFL at 64 and 29 to Brett's 57 and 36. Bringing the total to now 91 and 41. Brett's at 84 and 48. Um, got some couple different picks this week in college. I think we've got one different one in college maybe. Um, definitely some different spread picks for us this week. So um, definitely have a little bit of a, a little bit of diversity in our picks this week. And then obviously we're, we flop on a couple of NFL games every week. So a little more of a chalked up slate I think this week. But we'll see. Kind of as we get into our spread picks as well, kind of provide some context to our picks into the games. But I will let Brett kick us off with our college football week number eight picks with what should be the game of the week in my opinion. and It's a, kind of the biggest game I looking forward to, so I'll let you kick it off with this one.
1: Yeah, top ten Big Ten matchup uh, between number seven Penn State and number three Ohio State in Columbus. Um, Ohio State's favored by four and a half, and I'm picking Ohio State to win, but Penn State to cover. I just think them being home is going to be big. Um, they haven't dominated any teams this year. They've won a lot of games pretty close. Um, you know, they were close with Maryland until they pulled away and won that by 20. But that was closer than the score suggested. And then obviously winning on the last play against Notre Dame um, in South Bend. So impressive wins this year, but not in the fashion that you may have thought they would have won if they were going to be a top three team. Um, but I am picking them to win this game. Being home's big. And I'm still picking Penn State to cover, so I'm still expecting a close game. Uh, I'm just picking Ohio State to win.
0: I differ here. I'm taking Penn State to win. I think given Ohio State's been in some close games this year and they've come out a little flat at times offensively, um, this Penn State defense is really, really good. The offense has looked good this year. Um, gotten some impressive play, from, p- impressive play from quarterback Drew Aller. I think Aller, Alar. I don't know. Is that how you say his last name? I can't remember. Um, I haven't actually watched a, a full Penn sure. State game because they – Because they've been playing, I mean, they you know they've been playing at the same time as some other really big games. I've watched enough of Penn State that I like them to beat Ohio State. I just think Ohio State's also overrated at three. Um, A four and a half point spread is fine in college. I don't think that's that's egregiously large. Um, I might be taking Penn State to win, so obviously I'm gonna think I think they're gonna cover. This should be a great game, though. I'm looking forward to it. This is until Ohio State, Michigan, or Penn State, Michigan. Rather, in my in in my pick here, Um, this is the biggest game for the college football playoff right now. Because it kind of sets up the showdown of who does Michigan have to beat. Like who does who's Michigan's biggest test going to be? Kind of breaks down with this one. I don't. I, I do want to look forward a little bit um, to see when Michigan plays Penn State. I know they play Ohio State last year, as they always do. Ooh, they play Penn State on my birthday, November 11th. That'll be really nice to watch down in down in Louisiana, going on a little fishing trip little behind the scenes on my fishing trip that weekend, but um, that'll be a great game. So they got basically three, four, yeah, three weeks until that game. So um, you don't want, obviously don't want to look ahead. You definitely don't want to look past Michigan state this week for Michigan, but, or frankly, Purdue at home pretty always plays. Well, not last week, but they usually play top 10 teams pretty good. They didn't play Ohio state very good last week, but they usually play top 10 teams pretty well. Um, So obviously you don't want to look past those two games, but certainly if, um, if regardless of who the winner is, Michigan is probably staring down, uh, the winner of this game is the kind of the game they got to circle to get to the playoff. Um, if they can beat these two teams, uh, notably the winner, um, you know they, I guess I should rather put it this way: the winner of this game, the winner of that, the winner of, let me see if I can word this correctly: the winner of the Penn State Ohio State game, whoever wins this one, the winner of them versus Michigan is getting to the playoff, because they'll be undefeated going into the Big 12, Big Ten title game, and it's likely that even if they lose. In a in a in a, an upset to a, a Big Ten West team, they're probably still getting in, right? So that that's kind of what we're looking at at this point in the season with you know five weeks ish left. Um, that's kind of the scenario we start breaking down. So I'm looking forward to it; it should be great. Um, lot whole bunch of NFL talent on the board there. I'll drop a couple names now: Marvin Harrison Jr. to watch on the Ohio State offense. I guess when Ohio State's on offense, Penn, State, Penn State's on defense. Can't wait for the Marvin Harrison Jr. Kaylen King matchup uh, corner for Penn State there, Kaylen King. Amikeg Buka and Kaylen King. Chop Robinson, edge rusher for Penn State. It's one of the better edge rushers in, in college. Looking forward to watching him against the Ohio State offensive line. Um, kind of flipping the side of the ball for bigger names. Ohio State defense, JT Tui-Tui-Malotu. I think he's like say his name. tui Malua. Uh edge rusher, defense lineman for Ohio State. And then, obviously, Olufushanu, uh, Olu Fushanu, uh Offense tackle for Penn State another another big name. I'll let you kind of give a little bit of a draft. This is just a big game as opposed to the other games this week. I'll let you kind of give a take on the drafts real quick for this one and then we can keep going.
1: Yeah, JT Tumaloa versus Olu should be fun to watch. I think that's probably the best matchup in this game. Obviously, you could look at if Kalen King's going to follow um, Marvin Harrison, which I don't know what their game plan is for that, mm-hmm. as you know he's not the only good receiver. For Ohio State, but yeah, nonetheless, should be a loaded game assuming everyone's healthy and plays. Um, looking forward to the outcome. I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm predicting Ohio State just because I think, um, you know, I I just think it's a little more experienced roster. Obviously, last year really close from, from going to the Natty, and they brought a good bit of those guys back. Obviously, losing some, but. Enough Mm. to make an impact and still make a run for it this year. Um, Moving on to the SEC. Top 20 matchup. Number 17, Tennessee at number 11, Alabama. Um, If this was in Knoxville, I'd probably take Tennessee. But with Alabama being being at home, uh, they haven't played a complete game yet this year. And they're still a top 11, top 12 team. Um, They've been at 11 for a few weeks now. Haven't. Looked great at all. I think there's been like little clips of them playing well for like a quarter and two quarters at a time, but they they really haven't played well on both sides of the ball for an entire game. And I think they have a shot to do it this week um, at home. A big. I mean, this is a rival rivalry to some, and I'm picking Tennessee to cover because it's a nine and a half point spread. So I think Tennessee loses by less than ten. Um, but I'm still taking Alabama to win. I think they're going to find their stride and start playing more complete games um, leading up to the end of the season. So go with Alabama to win this and I would assume jump into the top 10.
0: I'm taking Bama to win. Bama to cover the nine and a half. I know it's a a larger spread, but uh, in college, again, we've all talked larger spreads are a little more reasonable in college. I also think that number one, Tennessee has been overrated for a while. I mean, they've been overrated since the preseason I don't think they've looked overly dominant. They, they've looked like a top 20 team to me. And it's pretty clear that Alabama is still a top 10 team. And I don't know if I talked about it last week or if I just texted you. I think Alabama could get in the playoff. and It's a pretty easy picture for them. All that they got to beat LSU, which is going to be tough. They got to beat LSU. I don't think them upsetting Georgia in the SEC title game is that far fetched of, of an idea. I mean, obviously they can't, they can't lose this one. They got, they got to win out, but I don't think that's an unrealistic thing to, to, to say that they went out and again, I don't think it's unrealistic. I thought I've been pretty vocal about the fact that I think Georgia is not the best team in the country and they have a lot of flaws, Right, especially if Brock Bauer is going to be missing significant time. You know, we don't really know. Obviously you think he's back for the SEC title game, but I don't think it's unreasonable that Alabama could beat them. And then they sneak into the playoff as a one loss SEC champ. Now it would probably require, it, it kind of begs the question at that point of, where does Texas fall, right? Because if Texas makes the playoff, that you have to put Alabama at that point. If that's their one loss, the other thing that kind of brings in the question is, what does the rest of the college football landscape look like? There's five, there's five undefeated teams on on championship weekend. Bama Bama wins, and there's four. They're not getting. They should. Well, they shouldn't get in. Say for example, Michigan, Washington, Oklahoma, and Florida State. For example, say all those four teams they win, and they're undefeated. Those four should be in or not an SEC team. Now I don't I don't know if the committee will do that. I think they'd leave out Florida State or they probably leave out Oklahoma. Well, I, I probably can't say yet because we haven't seen the first CFP ranking. I think that comes next week, though. Um yeah, am, I, am I insane. mistaken? I think it's next week. It it seems like it should be. But um I'll kind of type as I as I talk. I just think Alabama's the better team. They've been pretty it's pretty been pretty abundantly clear that they are very, very. I'm trying to word this right. Cause I don't want to Alabama's they're, they're Alabama. They're, they're not, they're very far off of what they've been in the past, but they're a much better team with Jalen Miller, at quarterback. And they, if they can kind of get the ball rolling here with some momentum, they're one of the, the best coach teams in the country. That's always going to be a fact as long as Nick Saban's there. So they, they're a very sneaky team, and I think that they've they've now become overlooked, being at eleven. I think they're a better team than 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 what we're giving them credit for. I know they had that tight game against who was it like USF at home, but no Milrow. It's pretty clear that Ty Simpson and um or is it Ty Simpson and Ty Buchanan? Or both Tyler or Ty? Uh,
1: Tyler Buckner and Tyler Buckner. That's
0: right. And so, Simpson is his name. But yeah. those two, they're not the guys. So it's pretty clear that Milrow is the guy. So I think they're a pretty slept on team. Now I'm taking Bama to win and cover here. Um, CFP ranking. First college football. 31st. So we've got two weeks. But I was close. Or no, Yeah, got two weeks. I was pretty close, though. Um, Or is this the last? No, this is this year's. Yeah, I was close. Yeah. Two weeks. Sounds about right. All right, next one here. Number 16, Duke at number four, Florida State. Seminoles favored by 14 at home here. Taking Florida State to win, taking Duke to cover. Um, Duke team, they're scrappy. They could, this could be an undefeated team, and they not lost to that uh, Notre Dame kind of late in that game. So I know they had lackluster performance in the first half last week. That said, I still think this Duke team is solid. Um, Riley Leonard probably needs to go back to school another year, but that's okay. Um, but but they look good. I think they're. I think the 14 point spreads a little much, and I think that they are going to get some respect this weekend. Then looking forward to Florida State and UNC whenever they play. It's going to be a good one. But I'm taking Florida State to win this one um, quietly undefeated. I think we talked a lot about Florida State at the start of the year, and we've kind of forgotten about them. I know that they had that um, almost should have been lost to Clemson, but um I feel like we've not talked about Florida State a lot in a while. So I'm looking for the Seminoles to kind of get back into, I don't want to say relativity. I mean, they're the number 14 in the country, but I want to see them get back into the national conversation here this week.
1: Yeah, Duke, uh, they've played pretty well. I know Riley Leonard, I think like September 30th against Notre Dame, he had a high ankle sprain, so still recovering from that. It's not for certain that he's going to play this week. Um, But I'm picking Florida State to win and cover, being at home, obviously not too far of a trip, but still the home team. And I think they're going to play really well this week. They have stars across the board, kind of not really talked about as much in terms of star power in comparison to other teams, I feel like, uh, especially defensively. And I think they just played a lot of complete games, or at least really close to complete games this year. And they've looked as good, if not better, than people thought they would look, and they already had high expectations going into the season. So I think they're going to keep it rolling this week with a big win over number 16, Duke. Um, Going to the Pac-12, 14 Utah, 18 USC. USC's fared by seven. Um, Utah always has USC's number for some reason, and if USC didn't have a down week last week, I'd probably pick Utah to win, but with USC going back home, um, you know, probably a little extra fire this week in practice, um, given their loss last week and that they're playing Utah. um, I'm expecting them to come out hot and making very few mistakes and Coming out and beating Utah, uh, but I still think it'll be a close game. I Probably a five-point win or something like that for USC is what I'm predicting. But nonetheless, um should be a big win, and they should jump Utah in the standings.
0: I'm taking USC to win, Utah to cover as well. Um, no cam rising. The, US, the Utah offense looks – they haven't been good. I'll be curious to see the movable force meet a, a stoppable object in the Utah offense and the USC defense this week. Um, Gonna, I mean, we're just we're gonna get a bounce back week from Caleb Williams. Um, the guy played the worst game of his college career. It came at a pretty bad time for him, given the the ESPN story that got run this week prior to the game about him being. There's a couple NFL, a couple executives in the NFL that basically said he's the greatest quarterback prospect ever, and um basically said that there's like five or six teams that would take that wouldn't take him. Um, so I think that's probably. It came again a terrible time for him. Um, that said, I think he's still the best quarterback. He's still the best player in college football. He's still the top quarterback in the country. Going to get a bounce back week. USC clearly is not the team that they were supposed to be this year. Um, but I think they still win this game. Though they get a bounce back. I think you're right. If this wasn't a this wasn't off the Notre Dame loss last week, I would maybe I'd pause a little harder at this game. But again, no cam rising still. We have really no idea when he's coming back, uh, which is a little concerning at this point. Um, and again, it's a it's a bounce back week. So taking USC to win, Utah to cover. Last one here, we got the Texas Tech game. Uh, Red Raiders traveling up to Provo, Utah to go play BYU, where the Cougars are home dogs by four and a half, which is a little surprising. Um, don't I wouldn't be shocked if this these odds change pretty heavily. If Barron Morton is ruled out before the game, I know it's supposed to be a game time decision, but um, I'm taking BYU to win and cover because if Barron Morton doesn't play. Well, number one, the play calling is not good enough for them to overcome that. B, I don't just don't know if Jake Strong as a true freshman. Third string quarterback going into Provo, Utah, one of the better home environments on the West Coast. I just don't think that's a game he can win. I gave him a lot of credit this week. Left his guts on the field on that 97, 99, whatever it was, yard touchdown drive. Had a great run. Had a couple really nice throws. And then for some reason – and we can talk about it because we've got a little more time today. But for some reason, Zach Kittley decided to start airing the ball out with a true freshman quarterback. Decided to run the true air raid instead of what he's been running. Decided to run the air raid. And, I mean – I don't know how much I can blame Jake Strong. I mean, it was, a couple, it was a couple of really bad throws that were deep, but it's also like, man, you're asking him to make a layered throw across the middle of the field, the intermediate passing game, to a converted running back who's now a receiver who's under six feet tall. That's a tough ball to throw, and he threw two picks on that kind of play. So he clearly is not the quarterback at the moment that Tyler Shuck or Baron Morton are. And that's okay. No one's asking him to be. He's also not, does not possess the, the arm strength that Baron Morton does to make some of the outside throws, some of the deep throws. And frankly, I just don't understand why you have a top five back in the country from a rushing standpoint. And then you just have to air the ball out and just throw go balls for half the, you know, the entire fourth quarter, basically, through go balls. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's a little frustrating. So I think if, if, if Jake Strong has to play this week... The backup quarterback is wide receiver Brady Boyd. Um, shout out my guy. Best name on the team. But, uh, not, not a quarterback, I don't think. I think he may have played like a middle school quarterback. So a little concerning there. And, um, yeah, I just think it's going to be a tough one if they have to play Jake Strong. As much as as much as much I give the, cricket, the kid a lot of credit, got a lot of guts, I just – I'm not picking him to win.
1: Yeah, I got three main things for this. Um, one – Joey McGuire is two and six in true road games with the second win coming at Baylor, which there were more That's tech it. fans than Baylor fans there. So, uh, you don't, don't really count that. I think his only true road win. Um, what would it have been last year at where was it?
0: It was, it was, I think they, let's see, they, it was, mm, they played Houston at home last year. They played Texas at home last year. Who did they play on the road last year? K State on the road. They lost that game. They lost to TCU T-C- on the road. They Oklahoma lost State. To Oklahoma State on the road. Who did they beat on the road last year? Good lord! Now I have to pull up this I'm just pull up the schedule and look. Who, I are, the don't know, but- Who are their wins? They won. They, they beat Murray State. They beat Texas. They beat Houston. They beat um, Kansas. They beat. Else they play at home. Beat West Virginia. They won seven games. So we're only missing two. Who else Ole is Miss. In the Big 12? Ole Miss uh, I guess that you go in eight. So two more. And then who they beat uh, in the regular? Who the other two teams in the regular season? This is good podcasting right here.
1: Mm.
0: Who else is in the Big Twelve? Iowa State. Oh, Iowa State this is Ames. They won. They beat Iowa State. In Ames. That's what it was. Yeah. They beat Iowa State name. So that, that was the, that was the game, game Chuck came back. Well, that's the game Tyree broke his foot, remember?
1: Yeah, that was like the worst game ever. Well, um, he, he
0: broke his foot, and then we didn't get to see him play Anton Harrison the next week, and I was so pissed. I was so yeah. pissed. Because, I mean, but, they won. The, they beat Oklahoma anyways, but that was tough. That was the other yeah. game. Oklahoma, they won. Yeah. There we go. Look at that.
1: They uh, don't play well on the road, and... Four-and-a-half-point favorite, yeah, it's because BYU's not really that good and can't really move the ball and doesn't play great defense, so not a great combination for success. But um, Tech is favored by four-and-a-half. Like I said, I think you have to give Taj 25 carries. I think the minimum every game should be 20, um, probably 22. But giving him 17 carries in a game that he averaged over like five-and-a-half a carry, six a carry. Was a little interesting um he's 15 yards from being top three in the country in rushing yards and frankly i don't know why he isn't i think the troy running back and the boise state running back are the one and two right now and then i mean he's sitting just under 800 through seven games i just don't know why you don't use him because teams really haven't figured out how to stop him and when tech takes themselves out of the game offensively that's when things go bad for both the offense and the defense and that's when you let teams pull away so it's like i don't know why they try to get like anytime they're down by no matter how many points they ultimately shift like automatically to throwing the ball like 75 percent of the time and i just don't get why you need to do that because it's like the third quarter it's not two minutes left in the game and then with the whole deal with injuries it's It's whatever, but when you're down in your top two quarterbacks and all you have left is freshmen, all you have left is guys that have never played college football. And so with Jake being the starter, you got to ease him into the game and get Taj a good bit of carries in the first half. He should get, honestly, like 15 carries in the first half and then see how things go from there. Um, But, yeah, in terms of the coaching, it's unfortunate because – they just say the same stuff every week in press conferences and it doesn't seem like at least to the public that they're make, they like they want to make any changes or that they feel like they need to, which is an issue because obviously changes need to be made um, in terms of obviously play calling personnel. um, Yeah. I mean, I think Maguire's not taking accountability for it and it's kind of just keeps like saying that the decision was their decision and that's how they wanted to go about it. When you can't just say that it was the wrong decision and that they need to make some adjustments. So it is what it is. Um, like I said, picking tech to lose this week, just because of it being a road game and because of how they looked over the past couple of weeks, I going to throw that Baylor game away because that was basically a home game for tech and Baylor is just not good this year. And BYU is not great either but a lot tougher road trip where there're not going to be many tech fans and it's also it's also a great home environment the BYU fans show out yeah um,
0: so yeah I just but, I, yeah, don't I mean, think
1: it's going to be enough
0: no no and, and I'll I'll add to what, kind of what you talked about it's pretty clear the offensive line is it's a clear strength for them that they that they run block better as opposed to their pass blocking which isn't very good um putting it nicely it's been not great in the run blocking not that it's been elite they're not michigan but they're clearly better in in the run game than they are in the past game from a from an offensive line standpoint i'll also say that if zach kitley wants to show the fact that he is a good offensive coordinator and wants to make a case for his job because because I, I i know i'll kind of push i don't want to say push back I'll 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 counterpoint to you with the whole thing with Maguire. I do wish there was more accountability, I do, because you listen to what Tim DeRuiter says versus what Joey says, which is kind of in the middle. And then there's the Zach Kitley, which is just zero accountability, which I have a huge issue with. But I, I think Joey is learning how to be a, a head coach from a like a a when when things aren't going your way, how do you speak to the media? I think that's something he's still learning how to do, which isn't easy. It's easy for me to sit here at home with retrospect to go here's maybe what you should have said. And it, it, it's it's different when you're live talking to to the camp. I mean, shoot, there's things I say on the pod that I go, man, I could have worded that different. I should have said it differently, but I, I it's harder to do it in the moment. So uh, that's the thing he's learning. But I think the, I'm also not expecting him the way he just is as a human and the way he runs his program. One, there won't be a midseason change with coaching. Two. I don't think he's the kind of coach who's gonna put overt blame on one person in a press conference. I just don't think that's him. I don't think that's how he rolls. I don't think that's how he wants to roll. So that's kind of my take on that a little bit. Um, but I'll say if Zach Kittley wants to come out and really show him prove himself as a guy who can who can stay in clutch football, meaning he can adapt, he's gonna come out this week if Barry Morton doesn't play, or if Barry Morton does play, because he's not gonna be 100 percent healthy. He can't drop back. 40 times this week. You just can't. Here's an idea. How about we come out in I formation and under center formation and run the ball for give Taj 40 carries this week. Who says you can't do it? Who says you can't come come out and do what Michigan does and get and run the ball 40 or 50 times because you have two pretty good backs. I'm not saying either one of those guys is Blake or Donovan Edwards because those are two really special backs. But Taj is damn good. Taj is an NFL player. Cameron Valdez is a good running back. Why can't we, why can't we come out and run the ball 50 times to give Taj 30 to 35, maybe even 40 and give Cameron 15 to 20, 10 to, 10 to 20. Why not? What's stopping us from doing that? What is stopping them from improvising and adapting the offense over the course of a week? Listen, I promise you these guys have played football long enough. They know what, what I formation is. They know how to take a snap under center. This is, you know, I think we can make do. So that that's kind of my complaint. Um, or I guess not my complaint. I have plenty of those with Zach Kittley right now. But my my suggestion would be, hey, maybe we should just adapt. Maybe we should adapt to the offense, come out and run some under-center run plays, get into the play-action game. Shoot, you've got – they say they've got four tight ends that they love. Shoot, play them at fullback. If you can get the run game going, get a little play-action run game with a tight end slipping out, shoot, now we got something going here. They claim they love the tight end room. Okay, let's show it and run and run 13 personnel with a fullback or 12 personnel with a fullback. What, what's stopping us from doing that? That's all. That's kind of all I'm all I'm trying to get at with him and and the the adapting the offense this week. So I know we spent a lot of time in the tech game. I clearly had a lot of grievances to get off my chest with the, with Texas tech football right now. Um, But again, shorter week, the NFL games are kind of boring this week. There's not a lot to talk about. So figured uh, we'll get a little e- expanding of the conversation on Texas tech football this week.
1: Yeah, for sure. I think this is a big week for tech. Um, you know, you lose this one and you're pretty much, you're automatically taking a step back from last year and you gotta, you're gonna have some serious questions in the off season in terms of how you want to take this transition to what should be the new era of tech football starting next year, really Um, with the guys that are coming in, a lot of vets on this team that have been here before McGuire that'll be on their way out after, after this season, due to either eligibility or transfer, mostly eligibility. Um, Bay, this is a big week. I mean, if you lose this one, like I said, you're just hoping you get into a bowl game. Whereas if you win it, you still have a shot at, You know a good bowl game and a eight win season, uh, not even a nine if you win out. So um, I feel like you got to win four, really three of the next five. I'd like to win four, but you got to win three. um, And anything less than that would be very poor. I think they still can do it even with third string quarterback, but it's going to be tough. Um, But moving on to NFL, we only have thirteen games this week as six teams have bye weeks. In the NFC, we have the Panthers and Cowboys having the week off. Then in the AFC, we have the Bengals, Texans, Jets, and Titans all with the week off. Titans coming off that trip to London, so they opted for the bye week after the international trip. Uh, Thursday night game. Tonight, if you're listening to this Thursday, tonight is the Jags at Saints. Saints are favored by one. Um, Should be an interesting matchup. I feel like we never really see this matchup. Saints defense has been strong for most of the year, um, kind of been up and down a couple times. But for the most part, they've played well outside of a week or two. Um, I'm picking the Jags to win and cover as they're the underdog. I just think their offense is good and do enough to put the game away. And obviously, the matchup is their offense versus the Saints defense as the Saints offense versus Jags defense. Isn't, there's not too much to it. Um, so, I mean, it's going to be won or lost with that with the Jags offense or the Saints defense, one of those units is going to win the game. And I'm going with the Jags just because I think they have better players and I mean, there's not a whole lot to it. It's a one-point spread, and I'm just going with the Jags on the road.
0: Yeah, I won't add too much. Taking the Jags to win on the road, just an overall better team, better coach team, so I'm taking the Jags to win the road primetime game tonight, if you're listening on Thursday. Next one here, Lions at Ravens. Baltimore favored by three at home. Um, taking the Lions to win, Lions to cover, mainly because the Ravens have really struggled in the red zone, and that's co- really concerning for me. Against a Lions team that has, at least to my conventional knowledge and thought, they are a better red zone team, clearly better. I mean, definitely a better red zone team than the than the, than the, uh, the Ravens because I could look at um, NFL red zone percentage. and tell you, um, but I, it just, let's see. Detroit is number 13 in red zone percentage. Okay. That's touchdown percentage. What is going on? Hold on. I guess the Ravens are technically a better red zone team. I like think this is, this is touchdowns only though. Um, I just, I don't know the, I guess the past few weeks, the Ravens have struggled in the red zone against better defenses, they've struggled a little bit. Um, and I'm kind of wondering if the Todd Munkin offense, or rather his play calling, because it's been an issue the past couple of weeks, if it can keep up with what the Lions can do and what Ben Johnson can do. That's that's kind of my concern. Um, it needs to be a great game. The, the point spread's three. I think whether the, the Ravens win or the Lions, I think that this is a... A spread that gets covered by the Lions. So it should be a great game this week. And I'll let you give your thought on uh, your expanded thoughts on this game.
1: Yeah. I mean, red zone offense for the Ravens, I think through four weeks, they were number one in terms of touchdown percentage. And then the last two weeks haven't been great. Obviously, facing the Steelers and the Titans both with good defenses. Um, the Titans are second ranked defense in the red zone. So, I mean, I knew that would be a tough matchup for them just with. It seems like it's taking longer than it should for the new offense to kind of click, I think, with guys going down and coming back and not really having consistency for multiple weeks at a time in offensive personnel rooms is tough, especially when you're trying to put a new offense in to combine that with new personnel each week. um, As long as these guys can stay healthy for a couple more weeks, I think they'll they'll start to find their groove, um, you know, consistently getting game action in together. Um, hopefully see a uptick in that this week. I know last week they had eight red zone drives and I think every drive, but two got to the red zone against the Titans and they only scored, um, one touchdown and six field goals. So it was a little frustrating. Um, it was like Munkin changed the play calling a little bit when he got to the red zone. Unfortunately, they just only run the ball in the red zone, which is why you see, Like, Lamar hasn't had a pass touchdown in two games, I think, just because, like, they don't throw to the end zone, but once a game, I swear. So it's a little interesting, um, especially when you have Mark Andrews, which is just a dominant red zone target most of the time. Um, But this should be one of the games of the week. I think what's, for the most part, a lackluster Week 7 NFL schedule, this is going to be one of the big games. Um, I mean, this one, probably Dolphins-Eagles, there's a there's a few others, but probably you got four games this week that kind of stand out from the rest, and um, it should be an interesting game. I am picking the Ravens to win by less than three. Um, I just think, granted, the Ravens haven't played well at home over the past year and a half, but their defense has looked really good, um, and I think it's going to carry them to victory here. Two, I mean, the Lions have a top five offense in the NFL right now by numbers, so it's going to be an interesting matchup between their offense and the Ravens defense. And I think similar to the Jags saints, it's going to be either of those units that win their team, the game, um, moving on to an AFC matchup here, Browns at Colts Cleveland's fair by one and a half. It looks like it's going to be PJ Walker again. And Colts are rocking with Gardner Minshew. Um, I'm going to go with the Browns to win and cover. I think the Colts really haven't had a good game in the past few weeks. And, with Gardner-Mitch, you kind of be the full-time guy for the rest of the year with Anthony Richardson being out. Um, I'm going to go with the Browns. I just think their defense is going to do enough. I mean, I don't even care what their offense does. I think their defense is going to do enough to win the game, let alone. So, going with the Browns to win that one and uh, improve to four and three, I believe.
0: I'm with you here. Uh, again, I'm not going to echo too much other than the fact that Browns' defense gets it done against the Colts' offense without Anthony Richardson – uh, Browns win, Browns cover the one and a half point spread. Bills, Pats, Buff look favored on the road by eight and a half, taking the Bills to win and cover the eight and a half. Pats are one of the worst teams in football right now, and the Bills look like they're playing good football. So um, I know they should have lost on Sunday night, but they found a way to win when a win's a win in the NFL. So um, Bills win, they just beat up on, a, on, a, on an inferior team, this week, I think.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't think this is going to be that close. You look at, obviously, a divisional matchup, which is why I'm picking New England to lose by less than nine. But, I mean, I still take the Bills to win, even on the road. I just don't know if the Pats are going to be able to do enough to keep it close. Um, I just think it's a big spread for a divisional game. Another divisional game, NFC East, Commanders at Giants. Washington's fair by two. I'm picking them to win, but I'm picking wa- or the Giants to lose by one. That's the only way the Giants cover without winning and i think the commanders coming off a big win i think they're going to keep it going here um they've overshot expectations to this point and the giants have drastically undershot them so commanders with a big divisional win here
0: sticking with you uh the giants just i know they they played better this week and uh defense looks really good i just Divisional game. I'm not expecting back-to-back good performances from the offense, and um, the Commanders are are, they're feisty. I know we talked about a couple weeks ago that they just seemed checked out, but or at least their coaching staff does, or their head coach rather. Um, But they're 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 scrappy, they're feisty, they have good defense. So I'm really good front. So I'm going to take the Commanders to win on the road here. Raiders at Bears. Vegas favored by three on the road. Gonna take the the Raiders to win. Raiders to cover. Not a huge spread. Kind of taking the winner here, plus the Bears have just been bad. No Justin Fields. It's going to be, as much as I love my guy, Tyson Bagent, Senior Bowl legend. I just, he ain't getting it done this week for him. So, looking for Devontae Adams to have a a big week. Um, Probably his first game fully healthy since since the Chargers game in week four where he got banged up. So, my fantasy team needs Devontae Adams to have a big week. So, we are championing a Devontae Adams 18 reception day.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think obviously not a great matchup in terms of skill level, but I think the Raiders win in cover as well. I just think, like you said, with Justin Fields going down for a little bit, um, I think the Raiders are going to do enough on the road. Um, They squeaked out a victory against the Packers on Monday Night Football last week, and I think they get another one here. I just think they're going to play better than the Bears, and that's pretty much it. NFC South matchup. Falcons at Buccaneers. Uh, Tampa Bay's fared by two and a half. I'm picking Tampa Bay to win, but Atlanta to cover. Just a really interesting matchup between divisional opponents. Uh, I don't know if either team's going to pull away, so I'm picking the Bucks to win with the Falcons to lose by one or two. Um, I mean, the Falcons have a shot at winning, and I think if you looked at this going into the season, you think the Falcons win by seven more, or more, but here we are. Um, you know, the Bucs are playing well to their standards of what they were expecting this year, post Tom Brady era, and I'm rolling with the Bucks.
0: Scroll down here. Um, just get my the rest of my picks on screen. Uh taking the Bucs as well, taking the Bucs to cover two and a half point spread, kind of picking a winner. Um, Bucks have just been surprising surprisingly better than I thought they'd be. And the Falcons have not played well on the road. They've played terribly on the road. So, um, newly acquired John Robinson on one of my fantasy teams. We didn't have, have a big week. New guy on new guy on the block. But, you know, pick, picking the Falcons to lose uh, on the road here. Against the Bucs, again, not a good road team in the Atlanta Falcons. With the Bucs to get a win here at home. I do need Rashad White to have a good week. Man, I'm bringing up my fantasy team a lot. My main fantasy team. Rashad White's coming off the bench this week since I got Joe Mixon on the bye. Sending my guy to have a good week. Uh, get maybe get a tud, get the point boost a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Next one here, Steelers at Rams. Rams favored at home by three points. Taking the Rams to win, Rams to cover. Steelers just, I know they're they're going to hang around a little bit, but the Rams have been, I think they're th- they're either three and three or they're two and four um i think they're three and three they they're better than their record says that. i think i think they're gonna make some noise in the in the nfc i know they're just the nfc kind of sucks and i don't know that uh there's a lot of 500 teams in the nfl the nfc is no different than the AFC in that in that measure but i think the rams are, are quietly one of the better teams in the nfc and could make some noise kind of in that tier two of nfc teams so t- picking the Rams to win this one at home and cover the three
1: Yeah, I'm picking the Rams to win and cover as well. I just think it's a tough trip for the Steelers and the Rams play well at home. NFC West matchup in the Cardinals at Seahawks. Cardinals going to Seattle for this one, so I'm picking Seattle to win it, but the Cardinals to cover. Um, Cardinals have played pretty close games so far this year, um, and I I think they're going to cover in what's a divisional matchup normally close, but the Seahawks should definitely win this one.
0: And the Seahawks as well. Arizona has been scrappy. I think they cover the eight, but I think the Seahawks get the win at home here, uh, coming off the bye. No, not coming off the bye. That's a lie. They had a game last week. Do they not? Or did they have a bye last week? Am I dumb? Did they have a bye last week. Uh,
1: they did not. No, have they a did bye. not.
0: Okay. Um, either way, I think they're getting the win at home here against the divisional opponent. I think the Arizona covers, but you know, um, I think they've covered most of their games this year. They cover actually. We looked for the, the pod. They covered four of their. Four of their six spreads, so I'm taking them uh, to to cover this one. Chargers at Chiefs. Let's see the one. Sorry, Packers at Broncos is next on the list. Broncos favored by or sorry, Packers favored by one on the road. Packers win. Packers cover. I cannot believe this is a one point spread. That's crazy. I know. I know. Uh, they have good home field advantage at Mile High, but I mean, they're just it's not worth that anymore. They are not good. So give me give me the Packers win by a touchdown
1: plus. Yeah, I think the Packers win as well. I just don't think the Broncos are be able to hang with them for all four quarters. Um, but nonetheless, it should be interesting. Chargers at Chiefs, um, big-time AFC West matchup. Really a must-win for the Chargers um, in conference, in division. Picking the Chiefs to win and cover, I just think – I think the Chiefs win by less than 10, but I don't know if the Chargers will be able to keep up with the Chiefs that are just hot right now, and it doesn't help that it's at Arrowhead um, – but who knows? We'll see. We see how it goes. Um, but I'm going with the Chiefs this one, as like I said, um, they've kind of found their groove.
0: Yeah, I, I'm picking the Chiefs to win until the until the Chargers beat them. Um, I do shockingly think this is a game that like the Chargers could very much win because their backs are 100% against the wall. That if they lose today, but it's today this week. Two and four is hard to come back from, especially given the fact that they would have to win the next two to get to 400 or to get to 500 and four and four. Which is reasonable considering they have the Bears and the Jets, but given the back end of their schedule, they lose this week. It really puts them puts them in a corner, and it, it'd be real tough to come back from, especially in the AFC, as good as it looks. So, um, I'm picking the Chiefs to win. I think the Chargers are cover cover. I think five and a half is so a pretty tight spread, just given the fact that these teams. I know the Chiefs have won, but in a sense, the Chargers have quote had their number because they play a, a one they play a, a three point game. It feels like every time they play, so taking the chargers to cover the five and a half point spread just simply because of the fact that it's, they always play tight games together. Um, I think the chargers lose this one and put themselves in that situation, but I'll say, don't be surprised if they win, given the fact that it feels like, I mean, in games, at least, it feels like when their backs went against the wall, at least offensively, they've gotten it done for the most part when they're, you know, down 14 in the fourth quarter, they seem to make a run, but, um, so maybe that kind of holds true in a, in a full game sense this week, but I think the chiefs win, um, don't cover the five and a half points but They get the win at home. Uh, Sunday Night Football: Dolphins at Eagles. Eagles favored by two at home. Taking the Eagles to win. Eagles to cover. Um, first real test for this Eagles team, which I'm excited for. First, uh, first big time road test. I think for the Dolphins. I know they played the Chargers week one at home or in Los Angeles, but that's you know half a home game for the Chargers. And um, as we've seen, the Chargers can't play uh, a good game of football from both sides. So I'm not sure if I'm going to call that a test for the Dolphins, but it's a real test for the Dolphins, real test for the Eagles. Um, picking the Eagles to win at home, I think the Eagles have quietly been one of the better teams in the NFL. Ended, they lost this week, but I think t- I think people have like they're not blowing everyone out, so I think people are forgetting how good they are, and I think I think they're gonna make a statement win this week and get a and get a win by potentially like a score plus at home. It's yeah, Philly, just... Philly man, they're gonna be at home as long as All the right. Phillies don't have a home game potentially scheduled. The Eagles crowd is going to be
1: insane. And I believe they're wearing the Kelly Greens this week, um, which should be nice. Um, but the uh, Eagles just really haven't looked good for any stretch this year. I think obviously they've, they win the close games and they're a experienced roster with a good coaching staff and front of office. And they've been put together really well, obviously coming off a Super Bowl appearance and an NFC championship. But, They just haven't really done much for me this year, and I just think they're overrated, and I think Miami wins this game on the road. Uh, Obviously, Miami had a bad loss in Buffalo, um, but other than that, they've looked really good offensively. Defense has surprisingly played well, given their injuries on that side of the ball. Um, But I'm going with Miami to win, like I said, probably by seven or so. Um, You figure it's a one-score game either way, but a great Sunday night football matchup, one of the first primetime matchups that you know, two of the top t- teams in the league arguably um on prime time. And then to close it out, Monday night football, we have the 49ers at Vikings. Um NFC matchup that's a little interesting here. I think it could have been a really good game, but with Justin Jefferson out, even though it's in Minnesota, Niners coming off a weird loss in which a lot of their guys got hurt. Um McCaffrey, Debo, Trent Williams, they'll all be limited for the most part if they do play in this game. Uh, I don't know if they will, but if they do play, it's going to be a limited role. Um, but I am still picking the Niners to win in cover. I think they probably win by 10. Their defense should do enough to counteract anything wrong their offense does um, or can't do because of the guys they have out. So I don't think the Vikings are going to be able to do enough Um Offensively, to get anything going against the Niners, and I think the Niners bounce back and improve to six and one.
0: Take the Niners to win as well. Take them to cover the spread. Um, kind of on the opposite side of the spectrum. It's a, a really one of the best teams in the league, and a not very good team in the in the league. I think they're probably one of the worst five right now. Um, Taking the Niners to beat the Vikings on the road. I know Minnesota has a pretty good home crowd, but I just don't think it's enough. I think we'll get a, a big time bounce back week from the offense. I know. Uh, it sounds like they're gonna get Debo and McCaffrey healthy this week. So uh, looking for looking at the offense to have a big bounce back week with those guys back healthy. You assume fully healthy for the game, and then defense should just be smothering again. We assume that th- we assumed that last week it didn't happen. So uh, I guess the, I mean I guess the defense was pretty good last week. Um, looking for a bounce back game from the offense for sure, and uh, Niners to win and cover the spread on the road. Got the rookie watch here to wrap things up today. I'll go first. Um, keeping our guys from last week, like I said, just since we didn't get to air it last week, and didn't get to air uh, last week's episode. So, starting off with uh, defensive back Devon Witherspoon from the Seattle Seahawks. Um, when I talked about him last week. He was coming off the bye. So, this is now pushing three weeks ago. Uh, but in prime time, he had a pick six basically to seal the game. Um, I'm trying to remember who they played now. Um, let's do Seahawks schedule. But um, he had a huge pick six to basically help secure the win for them uh late in the game against the well that's the giants They went to seal the win but a pick six late in the game basically just to put the game away. Um the kind of the one drive the Giants had gotten far kind of into Seattle territory. Um down in the red zone. I think it was like a ninety seven or like a ninety six yard pick six for Witherspoon. But he's played phenomenally. He's played really, really well at the start of the year. He's been a great corner for them. So certainly uh worth the Number five overall pick, and they've got appears to be quite the young corner duo in Seattle with uh, with Devon Witherspoon and uh, Tariq Woolen. So maybe trying to create that Legion of Boom 2.0 if Jamal Adams can get back on the field a little bit.
1: Yeah, my defensive guy um, NFC as well. I'm going with Ivan Pace Jr., undrafted guy who I really wanted in like the fourth or fifth round, but he went undrafted. Uh, Minnesota called him and. He chose to head up north uh, to Minnesota as he's a Cincinnati native. Went to Cincinnati uh, for college, grew up there. Um, Pretty small off-ball linebacker, 5'10", 231. Um, I just think he's played really consistently, 30 tackles, a half sack this year um, in the second week against Philly. But other than that, he's just been really consistent. I think that's something Minnesota needs as they rebuild, kind of a guy that they can just count on to be consistent but getting a consistent guy from undrafted rookie is huge. Um, I think they're really happy with what they're getting from him. Um, yeah, just flying under the radar, not getting talked about a whole lot in terms of the defensive rookie scene, but definitely a guy that's played really well, played the worth of a second round pick probably. Um, and I'm not too shocked. It's a guy that I, like I said, I really wanted and no one, no one drafted. So, um, Kudos to Minnesota for picking him up and doing their work on him, and it's panning out for him uh, pretty well. So he's my guy on the defensive side of the ball. And then I honestly think regardless of how Minnesota finishes this year, there's going to there be plenty of bright spots for him. He's going to be one of them. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how they attack. Probably not going to do much at the trade deadline, but and how they attack the offseason to try to build up that defense um, as they're probably going to sell at the deadline, if I had to guess. Um, and then my offensive guy is Sam Laporta, the tight end of the lines. Um, you probably heard of him if you follow the NFL so far, uh, he's played in all six games and been pretty consistent between 36 and 84 yards in every game. So no huge game and no games that he really has disappeared. Um, just there when he needs him. I, there when you need him. averaging about five catches a game. 325 yards and three tuds is big for rookie tight end through six games as well. Um, now, out of Iowa, those Iowa tight ends, it's no, no f- reason that <laughs> he's so good. I mean, every tight end that comes out of Iowa has been great, um, has transitioned their game to the NFL really quickly, um, and he just fit the mold of Iowa tight end, fit the mold of a league tight end, and I think it's going to pan out really well. Um, In the long run for the Lions, as they traded TJ Hawkinson to a division rival in the Vikings and then took Laporta with a 34th overall pick. So obviously expecting big things from him when you use basically a first rounder on a tight end over a couple other tight ends. Um, But yeah, he's panned out really well, averaging over 11 yards a catch. And just been a security blanket for Jared Goff for the most part as the receivers kind of go in and out with suspension and injury and stuff like that. So that's been big for him. Um, obviously they have Dave Montgomery who went down with a rib injury and Jameer Gibbs as well. So a lot to look forward to with that offense um, in terms of the holistic view of the personnel and they should be trending up for the next few years offensively before they have to pay a lot of guys. Um, but yeah, Sam Laporta, Ivan Pace Jr., a couple of rookies that have overperformed um, in terms of what people thought they would do this year, especially Ivan Pace.
0: Yeah, I mean, a guy that I think, you know, we both like those Ivan Pace kind of talked about it a couple of times in the pod a little bit um, projected to be an early day three guy and didn't get drafted. Shockingly, I think um, kind of we well, are I mean, shoot the guy I'm going to talk about here with, with Jordan Addison uh, receiver for this for the for the Vikings, obviously a first round guy. But I think we're now seeing in the NFL that these smaller guys can can survive. And Ivan Pace Jr. is one of those guys. I mean, he was shorter. The RAS wasn't phenomenal. He's was an average athlete. He, he's a smaller guy. But, again, it's pretty clear he can play ball. Um, and I think that the way that the NFL has kind of transitioned to being a less physical game than it used to be. Not that it isn't physical still, but it's a less physical game than it used to be. And we're seeing a lot more, especially on its skill positions. And the linebackers, I categorize it as big skill, same with tight end. But I think we're seeing where – guys who can just a just play ball and have good instincts are always going to kind of make it in the nfl but um i think we're seeing guys who are smaller be able to win with skill and and just you know like for jordan addison route running ability it just he's been good um so i think that's i think ivan pace is an example of a guy that i think the nfl is gonna stop overlooking hopefully you'd think so i think we, yeah i would have thought we'd already were there but clearly we're not so um good on them and then little has obviously been um been awesome Guy, I think he was tight end five for both of us behind uh, Darnell Washington and Musgrave. So, I think with Laporta, it was always – the question was, hey, like, does his game translate? Because, like, we just didn't see him get any – like, any volume at Iowa because the offense was just horrendous. So, um, yeah, I think that was kind of the biggest thing was, like, hey, he's not this, like, sixth offensive lineman like Darnell Washington is. Can he translate – and get volume at the NFL 11. Clearly he can. So he's been awesome. Obviously a a high pick for a tight end there for the, uh, for the lions. And then um, Jordan Addison with the Vikings was my offensive guy. He scored this week. I think he's got to pull up his numbers, Um, but he's just been a stable presence there. They have needed across from across from Justin Jefferson. Um, He's got 22 receptions, 227 yards, four touchdowns, um, long as 62. So he's been really good for them. Scored the past two games. Um, He's not getting targeted a crazy amount, but he's getting, you know, five, six, seven targets a game. But he's been what appears to be is going to be a steady, just a solid number two for a team, which I think is kind of always what we thought he was going to be. Was maybe a number one someday in in an offense with another guy or two like him, but a really solid number two. So um, certainly got what they wanted out of him, and he's been really solid to start his end of a career. So, um, but yeah, man, rookie watch has been fun. It's been kind of keeping me involved, keep bringing me back to my my big board from last year. So I love it. Um certainly want to keep this going. Kinda of sucks when you again scout guys and then like for example, I haven't even I don't even know what Addison Adabora is doing, who I loved as an IDL coming kind of out of the draft. So it's been nice to kind of do this and keep tabs on these guys. Um I'll tell you right now, like I'm looking at this, I'm gonna go see how Devon how Deontay Banks has played this year when he's played. Cyrus Torrance is guy I want to see how he's played. So um just guys like that that I think we we kind of I don't want to say forget about but we kind of uh, kind of let fall by the wayside just given the given the nature of the NFL draft and all that stuff so excited we're doing this um, unless you have any other thoughts for turf for Thursday Turf Talk that wraps up uh, the eighth edition officially the eighth edition of a Thursday Turf Talk
1: yeah no appreciate y'all tuning in um, just another another week of college and NFL football. Um, you know, about a third of the way through the football season of the calendar year. Um, enjoying it so far, I think we've had a lot of surprises, a lot of, um, you know, not too much that we've seen has been predicted in terms of um, standings and what we anticipated from teams and, and college players. I think a lot of times in college, you know, the good players you – kind of just assume they're good, and you really don't dive into it until after the season ends, and you're like, oh, this guy really wasn't as good, or oh, this guy who we didn't think that was that great, like, this dude's legit. And so um, a lot of these things we don't really notice in the moment of the season progressing, but, you know, towards the end of the year, the playoff, the bowl games, you see the biggest names play the best, and that's when, you know, they kind of help their stock the most. And then for NFL, it, I mean, it really – comes down to who's going to have the most consistent, healthy, well-coached team. And that's always going to, it's always what it's going to come down to. It's never the best roster. Um, It's always just who's the healthiest and hot. And that's the fact that's just how it works, you know, one and done in the NFL. And we appreciate all y'all tuning in. We love updating y'all each week on our picks and the matchups and our records. And, who to look out for and stuff like that as so much changes each week in the NFL. I mean, we're only six games in the NFL, and every team has lost, and every team but the Panthers has won. So a lot can change week to week, especially with teams having bye weeks and stuff like that, especially also with the trade deadline only being 13 days away. So a lot to look forward to in the NFL over the next couple weeks, Um, and then obviously the rest of the season as teams kind of make their final push towards either a draft pick or a playoff spot. So uh, we'll see y'all in a few days for episode 59, I believe, or 58, where we're going to be – it's going to be a loaded episode for sure. Um, We're going to be giving y'all our NBA standings predictions as the season kicks off on Tuesday. And we're also going to be giving y'all a standings update, the first one of the year for the NHL, um, in addition to what we normally do. So stay tuned in. Two episodes a week, a lot of content coming out to y'all. Follow us on social media at Cold Seat Podcast on X and Instagram. And we'll see y'all in a few days. See y'all then.